I was making like twice as much money like than any of my friends who were making the most money. You know, it's just like ungodly amounts of money for yeah. someone who was like 32 years old and like got the freedom to do whatever I want, worked with amazing colleagues, worked at the sexy firm. And I was just like really unhappy. And it wasn't because of anything at the company. It was just because I wasn't living my life's purpose. Yeah. And it was slowly like chipping away at me like every day. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under the radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they discovered their passion, channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with the incredible Liz Tran. I'm honestly so excited for this week's episode because Liz's active ingredient is literally to help other people find their active ingredient. Liz has lived a dual life for the past 10 years. By day, she's the vice president at a very reputable venture capital firm called Thrive Capital and has worked with some brands like Glossier, Warby Parker, ClassPass, Casper, and the list goes on and on. So let's just say she definitely knows what she's doing in business. But she's also a trained yoga and meditation teacher and a Reiki master. She even lived on an ashram in India and she frequents silent meditation retreats. She used to keep these two parts of her life separate and then she realized how much these new age practices have helped her in her professional life. She believes that the personal growth and the inner calm that she's developed over the years has been a huge reason why she's had such an accelerated growth trajectory in her career. Liz has taken everything she's learned and experienced over the years and decided to open a physical space in New York called Reset to bridge the connection between personal and professional growth by combining the best of modern executive career coaching with ancient practices like sound meditation, breathwork, and astrology. Her mission is to make mindful careers accessible for the serious, ambitious, and working person. So with that, welcome to Active Ingredient, Liz. All right, so I am here in Nolita with Liz Tran, the founder of Reset NYC. Thanks for being on the Active Ingredient Podcast, Liz. Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you more. <laughs> and we're here with her dog, Rover, who is literally the cutest little munchkin I've ever seen. You'll probably hear him. He'll Amazing. Um, so, okay, before we get into what you're doing now with Reset, I kind of want to take it back to where you're from and what you thought you wanted to do when you were growing up. Yeah. It's a, such a good question because we always forget what we wanted to be when we grow up because we get focused on what we want to do now. Mm-hmm. I, pretty early on, I started telling people I wanted to be the first female Asian American Supreme Court justice. That is not what I thought <laughs> That's like, what? How old were you when you realized? I was like six or something. And... I think I picked it up from somewhere. And the first time I said it, adults were like, whoa, this kid is amazing. And so I just kept saying it, even though I didn't really want to But like, be where that. did that even come from? Like, were you watching shows? Like, were your parents talking about this stuff? Like, good question. I think I must have like heard it from 
my aunt who's a lawyer or something like that. Where that it's, is she's too like, funny. Oh, so so positive justice. reinforcement. Yeah, positive reinforcement. <laughs> and it stayed with me where I always loved arts and English and reading. But I had this idea in my head that I was going to go into the law because I got such good positive reinforcement from people. So even up through college, I was like, oh, I'm pre-law. I'm going to go to law school. And I, after college, I graduated. I got a job at a law firm as a paralegal. Mm-hmm. I was teaching the LSAT. I got a really good LSAT score. And I was applying to law school. And pretty quickly, like within three months of working at this law firm, I realized I was really bad at it. Like I got really clear feedback that I was very bad at my job. (laughs) My boss was like, are you an idiot? And I was like, I don't know. I think I am. I can't do these labels correctly. It's like a lot of, um, you have to be just like so literal and very careful about things. And Mm -hmm. I'm much more like, what's the big picture here? You can't really do that when you have motions to file and things like that. So I kind of freaked out and I was like, oh, well, I got into law school. I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm going to do as a job. And I was living in LA at the time. And I just said, okay, I'm going to move to New York. And if I can't get a job, I'm going to live off some credit cards for a while. And if I can't get a job, then I'll go to law school. And I got to New York and it was just this, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. And I had a boyfriend in LA. Have you been to New York before? I had been like briefly in college and it was like a whirlwind, like party, party, Mm -hmm. like hanging out with some friends who were like already graduated and doing the whole investment banking clubbing thing back then. And so I just like the idea of it really spoke to me and I literally was dating someone and I was like, I'm moving to New York. And he was like, Oh, what are we doing? And I was like, I don't know, but I gotta go. There's nothing here for me. Wait, that's crazy. So wait, I want to take it back for a second. So you have this boss who basically told you like, this is not for you. But did you already kind of feel that yourself without someone else telling you externally? Because I feel like for one person to tell you that and for you to completely change, like everything that you studied and everything that you were like kind of planning for, like there must have been something internally going on that you, you agreed with. I mean, you're so wise because that's exactly what was happening. I was having nightmares, like up until that, the, the point of like going away to law yeah. school. And I was having this recurring dream where I was driving a car and I didn't have any brakes. So imagine like, you're driving down a crowded city. It was insane. Like there are pedestrians like trying to cross the crosswalk we to like veer around them. And the, at the time I was like, what does this mean? But the metaphor is like so clear. It's just like, you feel so out of control yeah. of your own life. And like, you're not the one driving your life. And I really yeah. wasn't like my mom, I was raised by a single mom and she was an immigrant and it was pretty much like you're either a lawyer or a doctor or you're something else that we could easily come to our yeah. friends. Like she loved the idea of me being a lawyer. And so it was pretty shocking when it was like, okay, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. And yeah. I, it was like a real exercise in like listening to that voice. And you're so right where it's like the internally you always know. And it's yeah. just like, you're picking up signs externally to totally. validate that or like give you a reason to be able to listen to yourself. Totally. So you said that you came to New York and that you had friends in investment banking. How did you, how were you connected with these friends? College. Yeah. So undergrad. Mm -hmm. Undergrad. Got it. I went to the University of Virginia. Amazing. Go who's. (laughs) Lots of people from Virginia coming up to New York Mm. to get jobs. And so I had a whole friend group here and people were doing a lot of different things. Some were in finance, some were in film, some were in advertising and um, actually a lot were in startups. So this was in 2000, I moved here in 2008 and it was like, interesting time. Yeah. Interesting time. And so it was when a lot of people were saying like, Oh, I don't really want to do this. These 
kind of corporate jobs anyway, because there's not really a future here. Mm-hmm. It's 2008. So a lot of my friends were starting companies and it was just such a cool thing where I immediately got a job in a startup. So that's what I was doing. So what was a startup? Um, the first startup I worked for was called Urgent Career and mm-hmm. it actually like wound up not going anywhere, but I met a ton of people from it. And then I joined a startup right after that that no longer exists anymore, mm-hmm. but it went from basically like 75 people to 450 people in like two and a half years. So it was this amazing ride where like I was able to like get promoted and like do more and more and more. And by the time I was like 26, I had people reporting to me. Mm -hmm. I was traveling like 25% of the time going abroad a lot. And it was so fun. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been to London before. I've never been here. And I was just on the road all the time. And it was was amazing. Amazing. We were just like growing, growing, growing. And it's so funny because that company just like completely doesn't exist at all. What happened? Um, It was in the average, like online advertising space and all this technology came up and it just like replaced it. But all those people I worked with went on to go to like Pinterest and Twitter and lots of really great places. And so that network, like I was actually working in recruiting. And so I had like hired everyone at that company. And so that network was amazing. That's amazing. It was so good. And then I kind of got to like looking around and I was like, okay, this is a pretty sweet job, but I don't want to be like the head of HR somewhere. So I took a year off and I traveled when I was 27. Amazing. Where'd you go? I went everywhere, but mostly I spent uh, two months in India. And so I was living in an ashram, studying yoga. And it was like my first real entree into spirituality. I'd been doing yoga for years, but it was more from like, I want a hot bod. Less of like, and and also stress release. Like I was so stressed out. I was doing yoga all the time in hotel rooms. And then I went to India and I was like, oh, whoa, there's so much more here that I haven't even experienced because I'm the ashram. What, like, what drew you to India in the first place? I like, really wanted to learn how to teach yoga and I just was like, I have to go to India. And okay, wait, I need to take this a little bit back <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you moved to New York from LA and I'm not, I'm still not over that. Like just <laughs> to your boyfriend, peace out. Like, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm out of here. What was that first job transition like? Like when you said, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. What were you looking for? Like, were you asking yourself questions of, what excites you if it's not law like what what were you asking yourself and what was that like how did that land your first job yeah that's a great question I mean honestly at that time I was so frenzied where I was like okay this is this is a path I thought I wanted Mm -hmm. for my entire life yeah and I clearly don't and it's clearly not happening and so honestly when I got to New York I was like I'm just gonna take any job I can find yeah because it's I, like it shocked me how expensive New York was. Like yeah. I was from Virginia and LA is like whatever. But I remember I used it to will shock anyone. <laughs> totally. And I was like 23 and I like went to go buy a pack of cigarettes at the deli and they were like $11. And I was like, oh, what? Oh my God. I, like, I can't believe it. In Virginia, it's like also $2. Also the fact that you smoked. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> you still smoke? No, I don't smoke <laughs> anymore. I don't. But For I, those of uh, you who like don't know Liz or don't know what she looks <laughs> like, she's like the epitome of health the mom. <laughs> so like the fact that you said that is hilarious. Well, I always like to share that with people because I think there are a lot of um, people who work in wellness who try to pretend like they're perfect. And I think it's so important to not be that way. And I am super healthy, but honestly, like trying to quit smoking was like a big thing in my life. And I was working these like high pressure jobs as like the only female executive or working at this fast paced tech startup. And for a long time, I like 
felt a lot of like, I was like, I can't believe I smoke. This is so horrible. And so now I try to be really open about it to anyone who's like, well, that's, I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that because it's very intimidating to look at Instagram and see everyone like having their apple cider vinegar and lemon water in the morning. And it's like, what the hell are you actually doing behind closed doors? You know what I mean? Totally. And that's okay. Like you can be doing other things. You can be having that pizza, but I think yeah. that's a good point. People don't realize. Yeah. And you like you feel so bad about yourself because you had pasta or pizza. Totally. And it's like, no. And well, so I, I super really appreciate that you said that. Yeah. So, okay. So you kind of just like cast a wide net and you were like, I need a job to pay the rent because this shit's expensive. Yeah. And I kind of just like went with the flow. Like my entire career has been really based on my network mm-hmm. and I'm so conscious of that and I'm such a people person. And so every time in my life I've ever tried to like really have a plan. Yeah. It's just never worked out for me. I'm just, I think it's just not in the cards for me, mm-hmm. but when I stayed really open and I'm really curious and I'm always like meeting people and asking them questions, then things just opened up. And so honestly, I'm so glad I went into tech startups because like, honestly, I was thinking, Oh, maybe I'll go into publishing because I was an English and history major, or maybe I'll like go work and get a job at a museum because I yeah. love art or, you know, whatever. And so it was really just like through my friends that were like, try startups. And it was perfect because you know, Sheryl Sandberg always says like, it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to take this job as like the president of one company or the janitor, like just get on the rocket ship, get on the company that's growing, growing, growing because you'll have unlimited opportunities. And that was just kind of what happened I to me. I just thought goosebumps again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that do, is that like the segue to you getting to thrive? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a rocket ship. Definitely a rocket <laughs> ship. Thrive is amazing. So can you give us a little background on what your position was when you started at Thrive, what the company looked like at the time and what your role is with them today? Yeah, definitely. So um, basically Thrive is a venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. They have about $4 billion that they manage and they invest in amazing tech companies. And so the idea with venture capital is find someone that you really believe in. And then if you invest in them early, both with capital and with support mm-hmm. and friendship and just advising, resources, network, advising, yeah. Yeah, network is huge. Mm-hmm. Then over a period of a few years, then you'll get a much bigger return because they're so much smaller. And so there are a bunch of companies that Thrive has invested in early that people know about, like Instagram, <laughs> Harry's, which was just acquired, Glossier, which is now over 400 people. And there are hundreds of companies that they've invested in. And at the moment that I joined Thrive, um, which was like almost four years ago now, um, they had about 55 active companies that they were like, that were actively growing and like hadn't been acquired or, you know, IPO'd or whatever. And it was like this big decision in my life because when I got the call to interview, I was in Bali (laughs) and basically when I was 27, I went and traveled for a year, started getting into spirituality, wellness, all that stuff. And I came back to the States and I started consulting. So I started my own business consulting for, Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's how I got to thrive. Basically, um, I would work with tech companies that had just raised a round of funding mm-hmm. and I would just advise them on how to do people stuff. So maybe it's like, how do I open this office in Hong Kong? Or how do I hire like 50 salespeople one year? And how do I pay them? What do I do for commission? How did you know that before working at Thrive? Like um, you went from, from the startups. Oh, from the HR. But yeah. it was an HR role. Yeah. So how, how did you learn those skills to scale a company? Yeah. It was just like, I picked it all up, like being at that company because you, I just had to do things all the time where it was like, Oh, we're launching our London office. I have to go like hire all these people now and figure out like what the market looks like. 
And so I got so much responsibility and we had acquired like three or four companies while I was at that main company. And so I learned about what it was like to do that integration. And, you know, it's just, I had the most amazing boss and he just always gave me more and more responsibility. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. That's amazing. So it was really cool. And then part of it too is like, honestly, I kind of just like pretended that I knew what I was doing. Like, And that's the thing is like, you got to, you have to, and it's, a lot of it is common sense and it's mm-hmm. like trying things and being fearless and being able to like quickly walk it back because honestly, no one knows what they're doing. Even the most senior executives, even now I have like so much more experience than I did back then, but totally. I still have the same approach, which totally. is like ask five people who have done it before. Don't do exactly what they say, but just like get some data and then like literally problem solve bottoms up. Like what's the business scenario? What are we doing here? And so I really think the key to being like a good consultant isn't necessarily always experience, but it's really like listening, understanding, and then not just trying to do like a cookie cutter solution because every company is so different. Totally. So I did that. And it how was long really were you cool. consulting for? Almost three years. Were you charging on retainer? Like how, how did that structure? So I charged a re- monthly retainer that mm-hmm. was like set off of an hourly rate. And then there was always some like project deliverable that I would tie to yeah. also. So it's like, oh, if we hit this kind of outcome, then I get an extra like X thousand dollar bonus or whatever it was Got it. so you, were you consulting when you were on this trip in india i it was when i started actually so i was traveling around the world for a year and i just happened to be in japan i was like hanging out there and my ex my former company was like hey if you're in japan can you help us with this project and i was like oh yeah i'll help you out with it so i was kind of working abroad and then when i got back to the states i was like i should just do this so it was perfect because i would work like eight to nine months out of the year. It's like basically the equivalent of like three long-term projects. Yeah. And then I would just like do yoga and meditation and travel. And That's so nice. It was so great. That's the dream. It was the dream. And I really was, I was still trying to figure out what I was doing because I'd fallen into the tech startup thing. Yeah. And I just like, was like, oh, it's good. I can make money doing this. I like the people. I know it's not my purpose. And so I was trying all this other stuff around like yoga. I was teaching meditation at companies. I was teaching a little bit of yoga too. I was going on like really long silent meditation retreats. So how does one go from just like being interested in yoga because India drew you because you just had like some sort of connection to it and you wanted to explore it. But how do you go from like being a practitioner to then wanting to teach and like make that a big part of your life? Yeah, I... It's like total immersion because I got really like in, in India, you practice yoga like for like four hours a day and you don't do anything else. Like you talk about everyone does. Everyone does. Yeah. We were all doing this program together wow. and you study about the philosophy behind yoga. You don't eat meat. You don't drink alcohol. You go to bed early every night. And I had um, a boyfriend or a partner at the time and he and I actually like we're, we were traveling together, but when I went to India, then he went to Thailand and we were like, let's separate. And we're actually not going to talk during this time period so that we can each focus on like our things. He was like studying kickboxing and getting like really ripped and like focusing on mm-hmm. that. And then I was like studying yoga and t- getting into my sort of spiritual development, now. my practice. And I felt so good that I was like, oh, I want to see if I can teach when I get back to New York. So I picked up a couple like subbing classes and like community classes and some a couple of private clients and after i did that for a little bit i was like i don't really like teaching yoga (laughs) and so it's one of those things where you have to kind of do it to see what don't you like about it you have to give so much of your own energy to other people 
And I don't know if you can tell from like yoga classes in New York, but teachers don't really touch you anymore. I, Liz, I'm so glad that you brought that up. <laughs> because first of all, I am a very big practitioner in yoga. It has saved me time and time again. Like I had a really bad anxiety stint on my junior year of college mm-hmm. and that's how I discovered it. Yoga is something I keep coming back to and I've tried every class that you could possibly think of. And I've always said that if I ever became a yoga instructor, my class would 100% have eucalyptus towels and I would be touching the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I would be massaging necks, like pulling toes. Like just like, I feel like that human touch part, like when I started my journey my junior year of college and now you're 100% right. Like no one's touching anyone. It's Isn't so it annoying. Like from the first class you took in New York, lots of touch. Now so much touch. Anymore. And I mean, I, I understand that it's like a very sensitive time and like it, it could offend people, especially in New York where everyone here is like extremely hypersensitive and like it, it's definitely like a, a testament of the times, but like every class that I take, it's like when you're in child's pose, people are asking like, okay, I'm going to do hands-on adjustments. Like raise your hand if you don't want to be touched. And like, I can hear it. Like a lot of people don't want to be touched, mm-hmm. which is just like, I mean, it, it's interesting, but I agree with you. I, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure that as an instructor that's touching, you're literally giving energy to other people. So it must be kind of like sucking energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like yoga teachers get so burnt out. It's also like a hustle. You're going from like studio to studio. Yeah. You're like always on the subway or riding yeah. your bike or whatever. Wait, so did you not like touching people or you did? Um, I like touching people because I actually believe like I like being touched during a yoga class and I just couldn't I was like I can't do this the way I want to do it and it's like I think to my detriment or maybe for the positive side I always have to try things to see if I like them or not and I've tried a lot of things and I really invested a lot into that yoga teacher training yeah from like a time perspective and also like going to start teaching Mm -hmm. and I was just like it's not for me and I was kind of okay with it. At first I was yeah. like, oh, well, like I really spent a lot of time and money doing this. Yeah. Whatever. But I also like got a lot out of it. And I don't think, I don't know. It was like more of experience versus yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you were doing this yoga retreat and then while you were away, while you were abroad, Thrive Calls. Yeah. So this is actually, I started, I came back to the States after the trip and I was consulting for like another two years. Okay. And then one day um, I was actually in Bali on vacation for oh, a month. And um, one of the founders who had been one of my clients, he knew Thrive because Thrive invested in his company. And he said, oh, Thrive is hiring for this role, which is basically the VP of talent for the portfolio. Do you want to interview? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? What does that mean? What is the VP of talent? Yeah. So basically we help all, I run a team Mm -hmm. and we advise all of our portfolio companies on how to grow. So it was basically like a very similar job that I was doing. But then instead of just doing it with one client at a time, suddenly you have 55 clients and you're building like content, you're building programming to bring founders together. Um, You are meeting with founders constantly, asking them what they care about, what information they need, and then you're going and figuring out how to do that. So for instance, like right after the Uber debacle with like the sexual harassment stuff, Mm -hmm. we were like, great, we need to put together a playbook for how to handle sexual harassment, diversity, inclusion, all that stuff. And so they're just like different cultural things that you pick up on that are happening at companies and then you figure out how to advise the founders on that stuff so another example is like founders were saying to me over and over again all my young people want coaching but coaching is so expensive what do i do so i like went out and found this company that was doing this kind of scaled like executive coaching solution i was like everyone use sounding board and then 
she was like this pregnant mom who was like running sounding board. She's like, thank you. You gave me my first 10 clients, like that type of vibe. That's amazing. So it's, it was so fun because I got to work with all these amazing founders building great companies. And it was a interesting decision because I was kind of between the idea of moving to Bali and like opening a raw food cafe, (laughs) like a vegan raw food cafe. You have had like every idea. Yeah, totally. And staying in New York and then taking this job as an executive at a venture capital firm, which is long hours. Yeah. It's a lot of work. You have to be fully invested in it. Like you're working with these founders who are putting their entire lives into their companies. Mm -hmm. And so you have to like match their energy. If like a founder writes you and is like, I need to talk to you about this. You can't really be like, oh, how's next Friday? You know, you're like, they're, they're operating at this insane pace. Like, well, you know, like you're running your own business. And like, if you call your advisor and they're like, oh, um, tomorrow afternoon works for me. You're like, no, I don't think so. Like this is happening now. Yeah. And so it was that type of pace. And it's interesting that you decided to take it when the energy from yoga itself was like too much to handle. And like, then you go to like literally the most high paced environment known to man. Why did you want to take the job? You know, I, this is sounds so cheesy because everyone says this, but I really did love all the people. And I, I think a lot of people dream about being in venture capital. Mm -hmm. Like you meet all these young people. Like I'm always getting LinkedIn messages that are like, tell me about your journey. How can I get into venture capital? I feel like you have a dream job. And I never wanted that. I, um, you never wanted what? To be in venture capital. And I never like wanted to do, I never cared about being in that industry, even though it's so sexy. And I just liked everyone I met with and I interviewed for like six months and I got to know everyone super, super well. And by the end of it, I was like, I really think that these are some of the kindest, smartest people I have ever met. And I kind of wanted some friends because I'd been doing the consulting thing for three years. It's kind of lonely. Do you feel that? Super related. (laughs) Honestly, it's amazing, but it's also the most lonely, the most lonely job to work for yourself is extremely lonely, but there's a lot of perks to it, but okay. So yeah. you had a really great group of people around you. Yeah. And, I, and everyone was like around my age. People were like working in the at thrive. Everyone like has a real kindness and groundedness mm-hmm. to them. Like there's, it's almost like this feeling where people realize like what's important in the world. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people at thrive, um, have like a deep kind of values based purpose kind of underpinning to their lives, which is really nice. And I always have too. like, I consider mm-hmm. myself a Buddhist and, my spirituality is like a huge part of me yeah. reset, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like real kindred spirits with the people who I met. And I also was like, well, it's kind of a great opportunity. And also if I don't like it, I'll just quit. Exactly. <laughs> like you can always go move to be, totally. uh, you know, open a raw food, vegan cafe later on, yeah. but you can't say no to this job. A hundred percent. I mean, the learnings that you took from that, you can a hundred percent apply to absolutely anything, a raw food, uh, store in Bali reset, anything. Like, I feel like that's just the most invaluable experience. I can't even imagine what it was like for you. It's so fun. It was so amazing. And I, I just like just to be even a small sliver of like yeah. all these amazing companies that we had invested in was is well I'm leaving soon but it's so fun <laughs> and it really did give me like this this FOMO to start my own company though because yeah. <laughs> you see how satisfying it is yeah. and so during this time too I was working really long hours and I like what you said I went from like this energy of like very chill like yeah. consulting yoga lifestyle into venture capital, very fast paced, very like intellectually switched on. So you always have to be on top of your game. And like, what was that transition? Like 
It I can't even really imagine hard. going from like now to working for someone else. It was so hard. I was just like really taken aback. I remember the first time like someone scheduled me into like a team meeting and I like left and I was like, what? What is that? And I had been in team meetings, but I've been yeah, consulting yeah, yeah. for three years. I was just like, I don't understand. And yeah. it's like about collaboration and teamwork and, you know, it's long hours. And I went from, I mean, my lifestyle was like, I brewed my own kombucha. I did my meal prep, which I know you do, but it takes a long time. Like I did my meal prep every week. Yeah. I rode my bike everywhere. I rode my bike to the food co-op and I would like cook these amazing vegan meals for myself. And I would meditate twice a day, sometimes do yoga twice a day. <laughs> it was amazing. like really chill. Yeah. Because you work from home. Yeah. And I was like really about working on myself at yeah. that time. And then I got to thrive and it was basically like order delivery, work out when you can like schedule your friends two weeks in advance, like that type of vibe. And I'd always been the type of person who was like so anti Postmates and caviar where I was like, go pick up your own damn food. And then suddenly I'm like literally Postmating to the office or my apartment like three times a day. So it was a big switch. And that's why I started doing all the wellness stuff was because I needed something to to balance out. Yeah. Yeah. So what did that wellness injection to this new life look like? Um, I forced myself to go on thinking trips. So I'd go to either Paris or Tulum Amazing. Um, every couple months. And it would just be for like a long weekend. Um, but both are like a pretty short flight. And I would always just like stay at the same place. I knew the neighborhoods, but it was just like a change of pace. And I would sleep all weekend and I would like go do wellness things and also just have time to be creative and think because I was like building this new function at Thrive. So I actually needed a lot of kind of mental space and Thrive mm-hmm. is great. They gave me this free reign to be like, whatever you think our portfolio companies will benefit from build it, go ahead. And I was like, okay, let's go do this. Let's build a team. Let's go create great programming and like get to know our founders and be there for them. And so I started going on these thinking trips and I'm still a huge proponent of them. It's like, basically, you know, you can go anywhere. You can go upstate. You could like rent a place in like far Rockaway, but just switching your surroundings. I'm a huge believer that you have to change what you see around you and just have alone time. And so if I had a big presentation coming up, I would like think about it, but not really write it. And then I would know that when I landed in Tulum, I would just sit down and like, it would flow. So I started doing that. And, um, I got, I was like uh, staying at this hotel in Tulum. Um, and, uh, I saw something on the board for like vibrational platform energy healing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, sure. I'll sign up for that. And I wound up meeting this amazing energy healer. And, um, I had been, I, I still am, but throughout my time at Thrive, I've been working with an executive coach and she's actually shared a lot about like energy maintenance with me, mm-hmm. but more from like a professional standpoint. And it's just about keeping my energy really high throughout the day and like creating energetic barriers so mm-hmm. that other people aren't taking my energy. And then when I met this person in Tulum, we really dove into like how to keep my energy super strong and how to like channel energy and work with energy. And then, then I got into Reiki because I started learning how to like harness energy, like keep, let uh-huh. it flow through my body. Um, what is Reiki for those that are listening and I have no idea? Yeah. Have you had Reiki before? I've never had Reiki. I have to give I, you I, Reiki. I, I know. <laughs> I am like a person that I, I would say I'm pretty well versed in wellness and I have literally no idea what that process is even like. I mean, it's like most with your people shamans, don't know. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's like, so a lot of people don't know Reiki is. It only started like less than a hundred years ago. So basically it's a form of Japanese energy healing. Mm -hmm. And when you become a Reiki practitioner, you basically receive what's called an attunement from someone who's already a Reiki master. And the attunement is something that they do where they touch your body and they 
um, basically channel a large amount of energy through you so that you then become a channel for that energy. Oh my God, we have to do this. We have to do it. And so the Reiki treatment, a lot of times, so you'll just lie down yeah. and it's hands on. You'll keep your clothes on. Don't worry. <laughs> Very juicy. Amazing. And then I touch you really lightly like this. Mm-hmm. And then I call in the energy and then you feel it. Like you feel it as heat. And then I'll be drawn to different parts of your body. So maybe you're having stomach pain. I'll go there. Or you're having stress. I'll go there. And so a lot of um, actors and actresses use Reiki to kind of clear any kind of characters that they're taking on, you know, because they have to make themselves so emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, they use it a lot at um, in cancer hospitals to help the patients with stress and trauma. And then now a lot of nurses are using it at um, pediatric hospitals. So instead of giving a kid like, um, anesthesia or something, or like a anxiety medication before a procedure, they'll just give the kid Reiki and it calms them. Oh my God. So we it's cool because you're like, how does this work? This person's literally just touching me and then they'll, they, you can feel the energy yeah. going through you. That's incredible. So you became a Reiki master. I became a Reiki master. So how were you kind of like, I, I don't know if in the beginning of your spiritual journey while you were at Thrive, like if this was something that you were kind of like open to with your coworkers and your clients, I know that eventually you definitely were, but how did that transition look like? Were you like shouting it from the rooftops in the beginning? Were you kind of implementing it with your clients and like how you envisioned their work progressing? Like, did you try to like inject it into, into work? Never at first ever, ever, ever. Because one time I was like, it was a few months after it started, maybe six months and it was my birthday and everyone said, Oh, what are you doing for your birthday tonight? And I was like, well, I'm going to go to, um, Namaste bookstore and buy myself a crystal because I always buy myself a birthday crystal. Oh God, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and people kind of looked at me like, oh, okay. okay. You know, and then that was yeah. like, hmm, I'm going to take that as a hint not to mention this type of thing ever again. And so people knew Everyone's I was like, like the crazy crystal girl. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of like seeped through anyway, because I also was like vegan and like, you know, it's like go to yoga and like, you know, people knew I was like kind of new agey, but I never talked about any of the stuff I did. Like, I also feel like that environment is not really like in that zone. You yes, know what I mean? Not in that zone at all. Yeah. Not in that zone. They're like CrossFit, like, let me get it in at 4.30 a.m. Like, yes. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, let's deal with like the problems that we are solving that are in this physical plane. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I was like working more with like spiritual energy and yeah. things you can't see. Yeah. So the big shift happened because, um, so anyway, I got really into astrology also, and my astrologer is also a hypnotist. So she that shit with- scares me. <laughs> yeah. Like I am so resistant to that. Like after watching Get Out, I was like, oh no, no, no. I no. <laughs> it's so cool though because you it allows you to work with your subconscious mind, and so like you as Sophie, you consciously know you might consciously know. I am really good at what I do. I'm like, you know, it's clear I've gotten this success for my clients, blah, blah, blah. But there might be this part deep inside of you that feels like I can't like ever be enough or like I always have to do more and more and more. Yeah. And so that subconscious part of you comes from something in childhood where maybe your parents like told you you couldn't or whatever. Yeah. And so hypnosis goes in and it switches and it makes the the subconscious align with the conscious so that you actually feel like a change is happening. So I was using hypnosis a lot for confidence in the workplace. I was mm-hmm. the only female member of the executive team. I didn't have a background in finance or economics. And so I knew I was amazing. Like I'm consciously like I'm doing a great job, but yeah. I had to also shift this feeling of like, oh, I didn't go to Harvard. I'm yeah, not of like inadequacy. Oh. Yeah. And it really helped. And then the big switch when I started talking about it was 
we had this um, big conference where we all give speeches and I basically just like crushed it, like super mic drop. And everyone was like, how did you do that? And I was just like, oh, hypnosis. <laughs> and I was like, here's a classic moment to talk about it. So kind but of just why did you, door. why did you feel like, oh, I could talk about it? Because you like felt like you had proven yourself yeah. after that speech. And you were like, you want me to tell you the real thing? Yes. And I also just wanted to help people too, yeah. because I was like, it just doesn't seem fair for me to keep this as a secret mm -hmm. when it can be so helpful for people yeah. right away. And so I shared it with a couple, I you know was very clear with coworkers about it. And a couple of them started going to my hypnotherapist, which was amazing. And she's like, I've never really worked with this type of person before, but it's great. And so she, it's not just for public speaking, but it's for stress, for eating habits, for sleep, anything where you feel like you're like, you, you actually are trying your best, but you can't quite shift that thing that you want to shift for whatever reason. You're like, I'm trying so hard, but like, I still can't fall asleep at 11. Or like, I still can't bring myself to like, make myself breakfast and meditate every morning and it's so good for that because there's something blocking you yeah. that you just don't know what it is and Sandy is amazing I'll just do a shout out yeah Sandy Citron she's <laughs> in New York she's in New York yeah oh she's god so I good. feel like I need to be hypnotized to even start getting hypnotized <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I feel like I need to be sedated to say yes to that it's so meta. I love it. <laughs> it's so true. Like, honestly, that, that shit scares me. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm like, what if they like hypnotize me and then like convince me to do something that's like not me, you know? So here's the thing is, um, you can actually never be hypnotized to do anything that you don't want to do because your subconscious is there to protect you. And so if, if it's something that you really do want to do and like bring into your life, then I'll let you do it. But otherwise it doesn't work, which is why like you know, those TV shows of like people like, like get out. It's like not actually real. And an example of that is like, this is what Sandy told me. Like people will buy their partner's gift certificates for stuff. They'll be like, oh, I want you to quit like biting your nails or to quit smoking. And it what never works. Game. It's so <laughs> passive aggressive. It's like so aggro or it's like, you need to switch up your life. And so she oh stopped God, listing. Amazing. She doesn't list like hypnosis gift certificates. Like you can buy a gift certificate for astrology, but I had to write her cause I wanted to buy one for a friend who said she was really interested in it. Like she, and I was like, can you send me the skip certificate? She said she's interested. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a link. That's too funny. But so that's why it's like, it yeah. never works. And so don't worry about it because she'll, and also she records it. So you listen to it later. And so you know exactly like what is happening to you. I'm going to need a little bit more like massaging this idea. Because <laughs> I'm still very resistant. So, okay. So you started doing hypnotherapy. You felt like it made a huge difference in your life. It made this shift that you kind of killed this this speech. Yeah. Um, and you started sharing it with your coworkers. They started going. At what point did it kind of grow from just a few coworkers going to then you introducing your practices to your clients? Yeah. So I I guess part of it was like a personal shift where mm -hmm. as I was doing more and more of this work, I just became so much more confident. Mm -hmm. And like I just like it's so funny. I like look back. And it's so clear for me, like, I can really remember feeling even like three years ago, like walking into any room and really wondering what people were thinking of me all the time and being so conscious of that in every conversation. Like it was the main thing that was on my mind. I was like, oh, is this person like me? What's the vibe? Yeah. And now I literally don't care. Like all I care about is like listening to the person and like building yeah. a connection, but I'm never even actually thinking about like what they're thinking about me, which has been really nice because it makes the way for like deeper, more authentic yeah. relationships. But Anyway, like I was like doing hypnotherapy. I was also going to therapy. I had a great therapist. Um, and I, what else was I doing? So I was doing Reiki. I was meditating. Um, I started learning astrology. 
and kind of just like through all these things. And like, it just kept, I just kind of followed my interest. And I didn't question it too much because I was like, this stuff feels really good. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing it. And then maybe about a year ago or like a year and a half ago, I really just like felt so confident. I was doing such a great job at work. Like I just didn't really like feel like I needed to hide anything anymore. And it was a lot of work too with my therapist around this idea of like feeling like I needed to present a certain thing on the outside. And so this is like around the time when I dyed my hair. So now I have platinum hair, but I used to have like really, really long dark hair. that was just like very kind of like uncontroversially Mm -hmm. nice looking. Yeah. And then I was like, I kind of just want to like be myself more. And then I just started talking to people about it and I never push it on people, but I'll always say like, Hey, I do Reiki or I do astrology. And then I would find people who afterwards would be like, Hey, can we talk about this later? Yeah. And so I still kept things very separate at Thrive between what was professional and what was not professional, but I would, I didn't stop hiding anything. And if people asked about it later, then I would always tell them more. So my, um, job is kind of like almost like an encyclopedia for all things new agey where people are like, Hey, do you have an acupuncturist? Do you have a recommendation for an aromatherapy diffuser? Do you have like a recommendation for like a yoga mat cleaner? And I'm just like, sure. You know, like, okay. That's amazing. We're like, what kind of bone broth? Like, how do I make bone broth? And so it's been all these new agey things. And then I realized that there is this desire for it. And then reset. I was like, Oh, I love executive coaching. I love the work I do with founders from a business standpoint. I love all the work I've experienced and I've grown so much as a professional mm-hmm. and executive through this work I'm doing. So let's build a bridge and kind of allow people a way to learn more about it where you're like, Oh, what's Reiki. It's like, we're going to start offering things where it's like, just come into an open house and like experience Reiki for like 10 minutes and yeah. see if you like it. And it's kind of this vibe that I've always put out where it's just like a lot of people aren't even aware of these things. And so I just put them out there and yeah. see people like it. And we do a blend of professional and more holistic practices. So what does the space feel like, look like, like for someone that has never been here? Um, I mean, she just opened two months ago. Yeah. Two months, months ago. ago. Um, can you kind of like walk us through what the experience is, what are kind of your key offerings? And, and I mean, the wellness space obviously is like this huge room right now. There's a meditation studio every corner. I mean, it's definitely like a good direction, but it could be a little bit oversaturated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Reset is definitely super different. And it's kind of looking at wellness through a career lens. Um, so yeah, can you kind of like walk us through how it's different from all other wellness spaces and what people can expect coming in here? Yeah, definitely. I always think that people... Um, or I guess gravitate towards teachers who they feel similarly to. Like, I don't know if you have that experience with yoga teachers. You like some, you don't like some Mm -hmm. and they're, and you're drawn to their energy for whatever reason. And I feel like the biggest differentiator between me and other wellness places is like, I'm a real business person. I've been working in business and executive coaching for like over a decade now. Mm -hmm. And there's this like real kind of like no nonsense type A ambition that I have to me. And like, that's a real part of my personality. And so everything here is like geared with that empathy in mind where it's like, like no one really has time to like sit around and like just talk about their feelings. We're like, let's have a goal around all the stuff that we do. And so we're holding this space, but it's definitely designed for the audience that is very different than other wellness spaces. Like there's like, I, I really am like a huge fan of mama medicine. Who's like Mm -hmm. up the street, but that's like a real kind of like goop Gwyneth Paltrow vibe, like moon circles, like taking long ritual baths. And it's like, when I am working at a very busy job, it's like, I don't have time to take a bath. And so it's that kind of understanding where we do a lot of programming. 
And then the idea when you walk in is that it's just like a complete reset, no pun intended, from New York City. So you walk through the door. It looks like a normal building with some graffiti on it. Yeah. You go up the stairs. It's like kind of a shitty hallway. And you kind of open in and it's like, whoa, this like Shangri-La where everything is white or deep mahogany. It's like plants and trees, really artfully designed. It doesn't have that typical kind of like wellnessy vibe mm-hmm. of like Scandinavian white wood. We wanted to do something classic and art inspired. And then we played a lot with proportions. So the doors are different sizes. The room shapes are different. Like we played a lot around a lot with the feeling of like, how do you have someone step in and everything is just slightly different. So they're able to switch their perspective. So, it's, you know, you're used to entering a door that's like three feet wide and you turn a handle. And then for our studio, you walk through this like six foot mahogany door that spins and pivots. Yeah. And so you're like, how do I do this? And you're not sitting in a room like you're sitting like benches around in a circle that's Quaker style. And so little things where we thought, okay, how can we switch this around so it doesn't feel like you're in New York? Yeah. And for me, I've loved always going on retreats and going upstate, but it's not accessible for a lot of people when you're really, really busy. And so how do you bring that here? And we energy cleanse the space multiple times a day. So there's like Palo Santo everywhere. There's always incense burning and I worked with a really great friend of mine to create like a crystal grid around the space so that it feels really inviting when yeah. you come in. So if you look in all the little corners, there's little, you can see where there, there's little crystals. Where? Oh my God. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's why when you walk in, you're like, oh, I feel so relaxed. Yeah. So we spent like a whole evening clearing the energy out. And we always do that because we have all these people coming in and that giant smoky quartz, we have this 800 pound crystal. It's there to absorb all the crazy energy of New York. So we're constant. it's smoky quartz, like dark crystals yeah. absorb negative energy. And so we're constantly clearing it out so that it can absorb more energy from people yeah. and make them feel better and happier. Amazing. So what are the services that you provide? Yeah. So the first thing we do is we do corporate retreats, which is really fun. So basically we'll bring in teams of people. It might be a whole department or yeah. it might be a whole company if they're very small, if they're under 30 people. Mm-hmm. And we bring them in for retreats that are anywhere from four hours to eight hours. And you work on different business problems. So um, an example is we did a retreat um, with a team from Glossier. And it was all around building team values, like defining what those are. And then the corresponding ways that you work. So like an example is if your team values like treat others as you want to be treated, then an operating principle might be like no emails on the weekends. You know, like that type of yeah. thing. And figuring out like how do we work together? We're all people who, unless you say these things aloud, we never know what's expected. And so yeah. we facilitated that, which is not new agey at all. It's more of the professional side of my yeah. being, but that's what they wanted and what they needed. And like there are other types of corporate retreats that we'll do that are more new agey. Let's say a team comes in and they're like, we just really, really, really need to relax. And we're like, great, let's do a sound bath. Let's do meditation and let's do reflection. That's you know, 30% business, 70% holistic self-care. And so it really expands the gamut. So that's our first thing. So you curate it per business. Exactly. Yeah. We'll spend like four or five hours with intake and designing them something specifically for them. And I ran a lot of these workshops in my job at Thrive. Like I would deliver sessions and trainings all the time. So it's like really second nature for me. And I love that I get to do it in like a beautiful space because A lot of times you're doing it in your conference room or a breather and you're just not inspired by yeah. it. So that was the whole idea. Well, I actually have a question about that. I'm curious to know, because obviously Thrive is one of the most successful venture capital firms, definitely has some of the sexiest names, um, definitely gives you a lot of clout as a VP. What was kind of like the switch for you that you decided that you wanted to do it on your own versus 
talking to the owners and being like, hey, I want to start a division within here and have mm-hmm. like the reset thrive. Like what was it that you wanted to completely like remove yourself and do your own full thing? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think part of it is, I mean, I really want like the thrive is really great, but I just like back to my original feeling of like never wanting to really work in venture capital. Mm-hmm. It was never something that appealed to me. And I come from like a long lineage of like female small business owners. And it was something that like, if you really asked my, like, I love that you asked like, what do you want to be as when you're a child? I, if you're asking like the real me who wasn't trying to impress my mom, I probably would say like, I want to be just like my grandma. And my grandma is this amazing woman. You me <laughs> She's amazing. Like I really grew up with her and she passed away when I was six and she like was this is this is gonna give you more goosebumps because it's like the saddest story but she was an orphan both of her parents died in vietnam and she just like pulled herself up and was a small business owner and she crushed it in vietnam like she was just like such a baller boss and like when my my grandparents left vietnam they had like accumulated this amazing like network of businesses where they had like this huge house they had all these yeah. like they had all this help. They had like 12 dogs, like all these kids. And it was just like this Self-made. beautiful life. Totally. She like created this life for herself. And that's so badass. She and I are so similar. We look alike. Like she passed away when I was six, but she's like, I really, she was such a defining person in my life. And I think I always knew I wanted to have my own business. I want to have kids soon. Like my partner and I are really planning on that this year. And I want to be the type of mom who's really present. I loved my life when I was like consulting and then also had the freedom to like learn new things all the time. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to create a business that gives me the lifestyle I want. I want to be a hands-on mom. Yeah. I want to design new content all the time. I want to be free. I want to be learning. And I want to like sort of position my life around helping people. And I think it was certainly the case at the venture capital firm. We were always talking about how our jobs were there to support our portfolio companies. It was like never a question of that. But I kind of just wanted to do it more directly without mm-hmm. this barrier because you do have to keep a professional. Yeah. And I think I just sort of looked at like my future. And I think another thing too is like, it was something that, um, that I, I've been watching this Rick Rubin, um, documentary on Showtime and it's so good. He's like this amazing producer. Who's also like a Buddhist and so Zen and something he said was really striking, which was you can't actually be depressed until you got, have gotten everything that you want because there's always this dream that life will be better when you get X thing. And honestly, like I had gotten everything I wanted. I was making like twice as much money, like than any of my friends who were making the most money. You know, it's just like ungodly amounts of money for someone who was like 32 years old and like got the freedom to do whatever I want, worked with amazing colleagues, worked at the sexy firm. And I was just like really unhappy. And it wasn't because of anything at the company. It was just because I wasn't living my life's purpose. Yeah. And it was slowly like chipping away at me. Like every day I was just like, my soul was like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I was so unhappy and I kept doing all these things. And I remember like one summer, this was like not this past summer, but the summer before that, I was like out in the Hamptons in this beautiful house with like all my friends and like doing all this fun stuff. And I was just like, not doing what I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> and it was just like I have to go and there's nothing wrong with my job it's the perfect job for someone but it's not the perfect job for me and it's not fair for me to stay there yeah and I think my whole journey in life has been to like listen more to that voice like the one that you're saying where you're like what's that internal voice saying and it's been like it's taken me almost like 33 years to like hear it and be like okay let's do this now amazing. so it was this big amazing decision to be like I'm going to do this thing. Cause I have been playing around with doing wellness full time since I was 27, since I went to the ashram and it took me 
almost seven years to like actually to get to pull the, the trigger to do it, pull the trigger yeah and I kind of had to get everything that I wanted from the corporate world to know like this is not been there done that mm-hmm. I got to the mecca of what I could possibly get to here and it's still not enough yeah So with all that kind of like internal conversation and having that moment at the Hamptons house where you were like, I, I just, I don't feel it. Um, what would you say your purpose was that when you were like, this is not my purpose? Like, what do you think your purpose is? What is your active ingredient with yeah. starting Reset? Reset. I, oh my gosh, I really, really so believe that every single person who exists in the world has a unique gift that they are here to bring into the world. And I want to be the facilitator of that. And it's always been that case, even with all the corporate work I did, I've always loved personality assessments. Like mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and Finder, And I've worked with all of them. And now I work with Guys, astrology. Wait, side note, when I met Liz, she literally like whipped out, what was it? The Hogan? Yeah, the Hogan assessment. Yeah. <laughs> the day I met her, she was like, look at this test. <laughs> I was like, I love this test. And that's why I love astrology and I love human design, yeah. like the new agey things. And it's because like, I feel like I'm really like here to help amazing people, to coach them, yeah. teams and individuals, like discover what they're meant to do here. And New York is the perfect place to do it because it's filled with the most talented people. And like all the studying and learning I do, it's around like, how can I help other people understand this yeah. stuff? So it's the business stuff, but then it's also the self-care stuff and like your purpose. And I really believe that my active ingredient is like, I can look at someone and be like, I see your gift and like, you are so talented and special. I keep getting this. <laughs> and I just like love people like with the founders. I think that's why I resonated so well with them. Like I would sit in a room and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And yeah, I hate those like bullshit Harvard Business Review articles that are like top five things every leader has in common. It's so untrue. Every single amazing leader leads through a different way. Yeah. It is completely unique to them. And like the, the secret is an understanding what those ways that you show up are that are unique to you. And then like just blasting them out to everyone. Yeah. And so I really like, I see myself doing that work through the Hogan assessment. You know, I'll sit with a founder. I'll be like, these are your strengths. Just go with them and hire around you for your weaknesses. Like who cares? Yeah. And I do that with astrology now where I'll sit down with someone, I'll read their chart. And I'm like, have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? And they're like, oh, I've always wanted to do that, but I'm afraid. And it's just so oh, that's cool. Amazing. So your active ingredient is to help other people find their active ingredient. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so I guess if someone's coming to you and like the whole point of this podcast, I mean, is literally to kind of do the work that you're doing and in the way of speaking to other people who I felt like have found their active ingredient. But like we just said, your active ingredient is to help other people literally find their active ingredient and their purpose. What would you say to someone, because I've just, a lot of my friend group, a lot of the people that I know, like even sometimes I have moments of feeling this confusion. What would you say to someone that has zero idea where to start that may feel like they don't even know themselves to even ask the right questions Mm -hmm. that like everyone's always shouting from the rooftops. Like if you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. Or every single person has like that niche, like what if you're so lost that you don't even know what that question is or like how to identify that for yourself? Yeah. It's such a great question. I mean, I mean, mine is like a seven year journey, right? If not longer, if you count like my childhood Mm -hmm. of discovering, it's like this 33 year journey. But I think the first thing is like, one, it's okay not to know. 
Like the whole purpose of life is to be on that journey to figuring out what your active ingredient is. And then once you know it, it's about like expanding it. And I also love the term active ingredient. It's so perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I should use that. That's oh your God, thing, but I love it. No, I use love it all the time. It's so good because that's really what it is. It's like the thing that catalyzes the recipe, right? And brings yeah. it all together. Um, so I think one, it's like totally fine not to know and don't put pressure on yourself to know. And that like have fun with it, explore it and just try new things all the time. And I remember like I, for a while when I was like 29 or 30, I was doing this thing that was called every Saturday. I would try something to see if I liked it. And it was like, try one thing you might like every, every Saturday, because I just like, didn't know. Like what, for example, like I always thought I liked going to museums because I grew up thinking that that was Mm -hmm. a great thing to do. My brother painted when he was younger and I, was like, do I actually like going to museums? Do I actually like going to foreign films or have I just been brainwashed and thinking that it's cool, a cool yeah. thing to do? Do I actually really like going to Tulum or is it just like that? And so I just try different things. Like I would try like an aerial silks class. I would try like going to watch, like going to a sports bar, like different things where I was like, oh, do I actually like these things or not? Spending time with like a friend and like going yeah. drinking with them and just like really trying to get beginner's mind. And so I think maybe the first thing is like, one, don't be so hard on yourself. It's totally fine if you don't know. Two, the secret is first to like see what you don't like. And I started making a list of all the things I didn't want in my life. And you can look at people and be like, I don't want that life. I don't want that life. I don't want that life. And I started looking at people who like, I was kind of just like jealous of. And I was like, if I'm feeling like jealousy, it's like, what about their life do I want? Yeah. Is it the freedom? Is it like the publicity? Is it like the way that they look? Is it where they live? Is it like the work that they're doing every day? And just started noticing people who were inspirations to me or also like made me feel weird inside where I was like, Oh, if I'm feeling so weird, it's probably cause like, there's a part of me that's like, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. And one person who, um, I don't know if, if you know who she is and I actually have never met her before, but her name is Lacey Phillips. And she does all this like work around like manifestation and like how to manifest your dreams. Mm-hmm. And she's like this beautiful goddess with like long brown hair. She's probably like early thirties mm-hmm. and she used to be an actress and she has this like really vibrant online business and like great Instagram. And I was kind of like love hated her. I was just like, oh, she's so annoying. But it was like secretly because I like really wanted to be like her. Yeah. So I started noticing that. And she's like helping That's actually every really day. good advice. It's actually funny because I heard someone talk about this, um, about anyone that's like hating on other people or feeling like judgmental towards other people. Like they, this guy literally said that they were losers because they haven't figured it out for themselves and like let them be how they are because they're on their own journey do not think about it for yourself but if you are hating on other people you're also a loser and you're you're have you haven't figured it out and I, and I don't like the term loser but it's just like if you're hating on someone it's because there's like you said there's something about them that you want mm-hmm. and it's not and and you just have to think a little bit like even if someone annoys you like what is it about them that's annoying you you know what i mean like in some deep level there's something that you actually either want or i mean there are very few people that like are really just annoying and you just like i mean if you have your shit figured out you probably just block them and never like exactly you know what i mean and never like think about them but if you're annoyed by them and you keep watching their stuff there's something there that you want totally. and the fact that you don't have it is what annoys you not them it's 100 because i like I was like, oh, she's so annoying with her like stupid hat and like her this like story is so stupid, but I like loved her content. I was like, I was like not you blocking keep going her back. at all. Yeah. yeah, you keep going back. And it's just because you're going through the process of figuring out what it is about her that you want to identify for yourself too. Yeah. And it's like, 
it's so powerful because you can turn this negative emotion that you're having and you're like, oh, I just like need to give myself that. And I was like, I mean, she's like, has a pretty great life and like, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, I was yeah. like, and she's like helping people making her, her own content, like working with like the, she's a clearly like a business oriented person. All her mm-hmm. stuff is like really legit and like buttoned up. Yeah. But then she also is like operating in this very like spiritual world, of, like crystals. And I was like, oh, I like that. And I think another thing too is like, you have those like role models, but the last thing is like, remember that your active ingredient is just your active ingredient. Because if I had looked around at all the other wellness people in the world, I'd be like, this is not my place because yeah. I'm so businessy and I am really type A and it's like, and I am, I'm just different from like a lot of the kind of like carefree, like it's like, Oh, I look like I just like came back from Joshua tree. It's like yeah. so beautiful and amazing, but like, I just don't fit in in that world. Like I yeah. always go to Maha Rose or open center. I'd be like, I totally don't fit in here. Yeah. And my active ingredient is like, not like anyone else's. Like I just, I'm me. I'm like a business person who's also into astrology who also is into coaching and like all those things are just my thing. And sometimes I tell people what reset is and they're like, that is just like so many things. And I'm like, well, it's all the things I like, you know, yeah. so I just started something that's what I like. And I think I'm so fascinated by like the fitness industry because there's so many niches for whatever you want to do. If you want to take a trampoline class, amazing. If you want to take a trampoline class with a DJ, you have that. If you want to like yeah. run a rock and roll marathon, if you want to roll, run a half marathon with paint you know, throwing paint at each other. There's something for everyone. And I really feel like that's like, you can look at the wellness industry and like all the different niche boutiques that have come out. And you're like, Oh, in the same way that there's like, you know, some people love berries and some people love rumble. And then there's like a million other studios in between that people are still going to. Yeah. I think it's like, you kind of look at that and be like, Oh, my active ingredient can literally be anything. And if you're a mom who also likes to like post videos about like, I don't know, dog care. That's great. Like combining yeah. dogs and babies, whatever it is. And so it's like, let it be complicated, let it be messy and let it be a contradiction. And like, yeah. don't try to fit yourself into like the perfect bubble because like, it was funny when you're like, you're like, Oh Liz, you look like a, such a wellness person. I actually like think of myself as like kind of an outsider in wellness, even though like I love all the wellness things yeah. and I do them. I just feel really different from everyone. I mean, definitely different, but you it's maybe it's not like the wellness word. I also feel like that word has kind of been like tinted a little bit, Yeah, but more like that you, your aura is so like inviting oh, and I would, you. I would consider it like a healthy aura. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't told my aura is very strong. And that's the thing. It's like, I was like, you know, there's no, I, it doesn't really seem like there's like that much of a place for me here, but I'm just going to be here because it's what I like to do. Yeah. And how has the feedback been with the space? It's been so great. Yeah. You know, I like really, I thought it was going to be a lot more of like my demographic, which is like mid thirties, pretty burnt out, but it's like so many people who are a lot younger than I thought would be coming, who are just hearing about it. And I think it's so beautiful because it's like younger people who are like, no, no, I don't want to like work until 11 o'clock at night. Fuck that. Or like, why, why are you asking me to do that? Or I will, but like, what's the purpose? Yeah. And it's this like feeling of like people who want to come here and be like, what's my purpose? Like we have these Wednesday night career classes that, um, Dev, who's also my partner, he's like amazing career coach. He runs them. And I sometimes participate with like sound bath, but he like literally has devoted his life to like helping people understand what their purpose is. He's written two books about it. And so all these people who are like under the age of 30 are coming and they're like, yeah, I want to spend time exploring what my purpose is, what I like, what I don't like. And so we do all these exercises around like basically figuring out how to 
go on the journey of figuring out what your active ingredient is. And it's so fun. And I love all the people who come in and this reception has been so great. Like I'm still at thrive. So I haven't even like really put the pedal to the gas and yeah. like, people get it. And I just think it's amazing. Like also with press people, who, some people really don't get it. And they're like, no, I'm not writing about this. And other people are like, yes, this yeah. is how I feel. Like I want to live a life of purpose. Yeah. I want to like get in touch with my energetic body. And like, I think that there's like your, um, the first thing is like what there's four pillars to like a very kind of happy life. And the first is obviously like how you treat your body. It's like what you eat and what you put into it, like how much water you give your body. It's like literally what you intake, like what you give a plant is the same thing. The second thing is like, are you exercising? Are you moving your body? Are you treating it well? And then the parts that people forget about are like learning. <laughs> are you like actually like working on your cognitive brain? Are you thinking, are you learning? I mean, people in New York tend to do that a lot, but there are other people who don't. And then there's also like your emotions. Are you like tending to your emotions? And then lastly, like, are you tending to like your energy? Like when people are like, oh, I don't know what's wrong. I feel really low energy. You're like, I really like went to this party and it's just like such bad vibes and no one really takes care of that piece. And you can do it through Reiki, acupuncture, even meditation and sound bath. And so like the idea is like, let's take care of the whole self. And I think that resonates with people like that. Yeah. You know, they feel it. Totally. You can be so perfect on paper. And my whole thing with reset is like, it's really like, I think what's on the outside does matter, but even more important is like what's on the inside. 100%. You know? So reset could feel a little bit kind of like a departure for someone who has never had a first step into wellness. Um, for anyone that's listening that has never meditated or has never kind of like taken that first step into their spiritual journey or astrology or anything, what would be your recommendation? Mm, that's such a good question. What do virgins do? <laughs> okay. So I think part of it is like, we all meditate, whether we realize it or not. Like some people do it through running. Some people do it through putting their makeup on. I actually like love putting my makeup on in the morning. Same. I my mom like drilled that in me. She's yeah. like, I love it. It's a moment for me. And like the way that she takes her makeup off, mm -hmm. she's like, it's like a moment for me to have in the day to kind of like reflect. And I was always like, oh my God, no, I just want to put my makeup on and like run out the door. And she's like, no, I love it. And then now I'm Do you doing love it? it. Now it's like meditative. Yeah. So mommy, you showed me. <laughs> love you. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, it is time for you. And it's like, oh, your face. And you get to like, look at your face and be like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm like making my eyes more expressive. It's just like so beautiful. And so I think that the thing is like, listen, we're all doing it in our own ways anyway, because mm -hmm. it's like literally core to human survival is like those quiet moments to be with yourself. And honestly, some people do it through Netflix. Like I love binging on TV sometimes. Like People are always like, oh, like, I can't believe, because, like, for years, I, n I never had a TV and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, didn't even have Instagram for a long time. And people are like, oh, I can't believe you, like, will binge on Netflix. I'm like, yeah, because it's fucking relaxing. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's, like, different things. Yeah. And so my whole thing is, like, you're probably already doing a lot of these things. So just, like, come and do it with other people and, like, learn about it. And these are ancient practices. Like, people have been meditating since the beginning of time essentially yeah. and then also with astrology it's like th these are centuries old practices and it's just really fun it's like a different way of seeing yourself in yeah. a different way um and i guess another piece of advice too is like um i always think listening to that little voice is like that's i guess that little voice is like maybe the the chef of your active ingredient yeah. right it's like the cook who's like putting it into the, the yeah mix. um but that little voice will always tell you and so when i'm even like looking at programming at other wellness studios 
I don't really make it a logical decision. I'm just like, oh, if I, it seems interesting, I'll go do it. And I won't think about why. Yeah. And it's like that little voice. It's like, oh yeah, if you're feeling called to do it, then come. Pay and so, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's like, especially at Reset, like, you know, subscribe to the newsletter or just like look on the website. And if you are ever feeling called, then go, but never force yourself into doing anything you don't want to do. And I think that little person will always tell you. And it's like, that was, I think maybe what you were trying to ask me about India and I can't really explain why I went. It was just this like little thing. Something that was, like, was calling you. Go to India. So what is a book, a resource, a podcast or something that if someone just like wants to start listening to more of these type of things or reading more about this that you would recommend? Yeah. So um, what's a good book? Oh, okay. So if, if you are, if you identify as like a super type A person, mm-hmm. um, I would read Radical Acceptance okay. it's by one of my favorite meditation teachers named Tara Brock. And she's like a recovered perfectionist and she is just like amazing. And she just talks about like all these things that really resonated with me where I was like, oh, I'm so hard on myself all the time. Like I'm my own worst critic. And it's funny because one of my best friends who he like, basically like he reports to the CTO at Facebook. Like mm-hmm. he has like a big job and he's like, we've known each other since high school. And can you talk to him about fixing this algorithm shit? For us? <laughs> yeah. Do I like yell at him and be like, Please. what is going on with you? Like, can you have him get his shit together? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he, but not really. he separately found the book and was like, this book is amazing. Yeah. And he made his whole team read it when he was working at Dropbox. And I think that's so great. And so that's like a great starter book in new meditation. It was one of the first meditation books I ever read. Um, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. And then podcast wise, I mean, I'll do a shout out for Lacey Phillips because I felt spent so much time hating on her and she actually <laughs> is like my inspiration. So she has a podcast called Expanded. Um, I mean, obviously this podcast. Well, thanks. Amazing. <laughs> Your Instagram. And then what else really helped me? Oh, um, I I mean, I really love this show that's on um, on Showtime that I mentioned earlier called Shangri-La. And it's this four, like four episode documentary about Rick Rubin, who was like one of the original Beastie Boys. He also started Def Jam Records. He's like this like 50 year old, like old white Jewish guy with like a giant beard and like really long hair, but he's produced everything. Like he produced, um, Yeezus album. He basically produced like any, like SZA's album from last year, like any album that you've listened to, like Francis and Lights, like any, any big act, um, he's produced it and he does it from this like super Zen house in Malibu. And he like really is kind of like a producer, but also like a guru life coach for all these amazing artists who come there and you see them on the show and they're like talking about him. And I think it's a great foray into understanding how you can dip your toe into some of these practices while also like driving forward in your business. Cause he's a hustler too. Like he like, yeah, it's a lot of shit done, but amazing. Yeah. I gotta check that out. So I always close the podcast with asking what is your literal active ingredient as in what is something that you can't go a day without? Is it meditation? Is it water? I mean, everyone has to have water, but is it like electrolyte water? Is it a smoothie? What is like something that is a literal thing that you have to have? Okay. Can I name two things? Name as many as you want. Okay. I have a very, very specific like morning routine that I love and I can't do my day without it. Like my executive coach always said, like, make sure your beginning part of your day is perfect because if you start up here everyone drops their energy throughout yeah. the night. But if you start here, you're down all in the way on the ground. But if you start up in the clouds totally. and you want to get somewhere around that humans, first snooze really screws everyone. Yeah. You're all, you're, you're totally <laughs> messed up by the time you hit snooze for the first yeah. time. And so I have like my, my whole thing is like my morning routine, which is like, I wake up, 
kiss my boyfriend, kiss my dog. And then I journal, like I have to get everything down on paper. I make the dopest smoothie. I put collagen in it because I have to have like collagen because my hair is like dying right now. <laughs> so um, I have a smoothie where I put collagen powder, protein powder, delicious fruit and berries in it. Mm. Um, and journaling is like essential. I have to write down all my thoughts and like I check in with that little voice. Every yeah. day. It's like, what do I need to do today? Is it like free range or do you have like some sort of structure to the journaling? Um, it changes like by, I go through different themes. So right now it's just like, what do I need to make this day really successful? And so I kind of plan out my day. Yeah. Sometimes it's literally just like what is stressing me out or what am I excited about? Sometimes it's gratitude lists. It's just like really whatever is calling yeah. to me for a couple weeks at a time. Um, and then I walk my dog and it's like my meditation. I do actually very little um, seated meditation anymore because I do so much at reset where I'm leading it and guiding yeah. it. And, but I find it so relaxing to walk my dog around Chinatown. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank you. I got like wanna hug you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you guys next time.